Psalm 95. Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us joyfully shout or shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial, in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, though they tried me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they should not enter my rest. A focus Right now would be verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 95. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand, just the sheep of his hand. Wherever you are, you don't have to unmute. If you know the words of this well-known chorus, Sing that to the Lord and sense God's presence. Look to Him. Look to Jesus. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God. 
and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand just the sheep of his hand and the sheep of his hand just the sheep of his hand must be the name of the lord camera will be turning on soon may the lord help us to position ourselves as i mentioned earlier the more we are in awe of the lord the more we are open to be touched by the lord the more we are proactive and keen on identifying the culprits that can stand between us and our god in the time when god is coming down and dismiss them in the mighty name of jesus that's the extent to which we will receive anything from the lord faith without works is dead if we believe that god will speak to us and god will nourish us and build us up today then we will have works to go along with that faith which is to actively fight against and overcome every satanic interference what the lord wants to do and as we saw in psalm 95 as we sang we come to the lord and we worship truly we have that wonderful sense of belonging that we are his sheep he is our good shepherd and god has promised to provide for us and to protect us and to prosper us with the divine blessing so that our cups will overflow in the presence of our enemies hallelujah Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to turn our Bibles to John chapter 14. Before we hear the sermon, we will look at some scriptures. John chapter 14. I'll give you a moment to turn there. The Gospel of John chapter 14. I want to encourage everyone. as we just look at a few words and then sing and worship the lord a little bit more that whatever trouble you're facing and feeling jesus is the answer hallelujah sometimes troubles and confusion can cloud our vision and understanding of how great and omnipotent our jesus is the lord reassures us john 14 verse 1 down to verse 4 let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me 
when we look in Revelation, when we look in Isaiah, you see that the worship accorded to the Almighty is equally given to one who's called the Lamb. The Almighty who's called the Alpha and the Omega is also Jesus Christ. God is on his throne. God is over the universe. And the Lord says, look to me, all the ends of the earth, and you will be saved. Notice the Lord doesn't say, look to us. And yet in Revelation we see, John in the holy vision, stating that he saw God on the throne in the New Jerusalem and in heaven and the Lamb sitting upon the throne as well. And yet the Lord doesn't say, look to us and be saved. He says, look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Jesus is our all-sufficient God. God is revealed in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus tells us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Every right, every power is given unto the Son who humbled himself to become a man, to become a servant, to die for us, and to die the death of a criminal, be buried, and rise on the third day, be raised for our justification. And he ascended far above every demon, every power. The devils, we are told, tremble at the name of Jesus and the power of his blood. God wants us to experience that power more and more. The cleansing power in our own lives and also the delivering power from every trouble. John 14.1 Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he gives us this definite assurance of what's up ahead for every holy child of God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way, you know. He says to Thomas that he is the way. Thomas inquires, who's the way? What is the way? Verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Ephesians, it says, not only are we looking, according to John's gospel here, for that future mansion or room in God's house. But the Bible says that we are seated together with Christ 
in the heavenly places. Christ Jesus truly is over every principality and power right now. Although we're waiting for that place to go and live with God forever, our permanent home with joy unspeakable, we have a foretaste of that joy unspeakable and we have been given authority over the devil now, not in the future. The answer is simple as to why we're not given authority over the devil after we are perfected. There will be no devil to contend with then. So although we're looking for that mansion, as people may look to retirement, the time when they are presumably free from the burden of having to grind at the mill, as it were, to pull oneself along daily, to meet the obligations to live, to survive. And they look to a piece of pie in the sky where they have carved out for themselves and they can go and relax. There's no relaxation. There's no freedom, no liberty, no satisfaction apart from the fear of the living God. But we are looking for a place with eternal blessings and peace and joy that is overwhelming. Abundance of activity in that holy land, the new Jerusalem, where God will come and tabernacle with us. And God and the Lamb are its temple and its light. No need for sun or moon, stars, any such thing. We are headed there but we are not waiting for authority. Hallelujah. We're not waiting to receive authority from God at that time and on that day over Satan. We are called to actively crush the works of darkness, not by ourselves. We are no match for the devil. But the devil is no match for the living God. And as long as we're in Christ, we're truly seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The Lord said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He said, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. This is the right of every son and daughter of the living God. That if we have that covenant with the Lord through his blood and we are walking in true holiness. Not in religiosity or in ministry. But in true holiness in our heart of hearts. Fearing the living God and loving him and understanding of my inheritance has already begun. I'm seated together with Christ now in the heavenly places. May the Lord speak to us that we may appropriate what God has given we will never know the riches of what he's provided, including the supreme authority through his name and in his name alone 
over every mischief of the devil in our lives that he attempts. Every deception that the enemy will bring, every pleasure that he will bring, every desire for power and people-pleasing. The Spirit of God rages against such things because the source is our arch enemy, the devil, the liar and murderer from the beginning. And when a child of God gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he or she rages through the Spirit of God against all such things. The enemy begins to tremble when we have authority. We have the knowledge of that authority granted to us as we obey him and we exercise the authority. Two critical components of the overcoming life undergirded by the fear of the Lord which translates to obedience loving obedience to our Father. Two critical components are actually knowing the authority God has given. Secondly, through the agency of a pure, undefiled conscience to be able to exercise the authority over the devil and be successful in casting him out. God is speaking to us not enough to know merely what's contained in the scriptures, though that's step one. We need to be people who know how to bow down before the Lord, who know how to kneel before the Lord, not just in physical posture, but in a lifestyle of humble obedience. And the power will be granted to those who are holy in their walk. And the devil will respond when he recognizes this is a holy man. This is a holy woman. Churches are teeming. Evangelical Christianity is full of people who are essentially and practically powerless before the devil. So abuse abounds. Self-abuse Abuse of one another, carnality flows freely like sewer water in the midst of what is supposed to be God's house and God's camp. Now, as the Lord said to the Israelites, he warned them, if I see anything defiled in my camp, he said, I will get up and move away. He told them, I love you and I've come to tabernacle with you. And I will reveal to you my glory. What other nation is like you, Israel, that has been privileged to have the oracles of God and to know the living God? But I tell you, if I find anything defiled in my presence that you bring in, I will not remain here with you. You'll be on your own. How many believers are on their own doing things thinking things, planning things that are definitely grieving to the Holy Spirit. And they wonder, when things collapse, God, what happened and where are you? But I was worshiping you. 
Was it worship? The Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of not wonderful singing and made up hands and faces in God's presence with much decoration and sweet-smelling perfumes. But he said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. No wonder the devil has so many believers in his grasp. And there is so much disorder in the house of God. If one would say, Lord, we've brought these things upon ourselves. We've learned of you. We've drawn near to you. But it's with our lips and not with our hearts. There's a mansion waiting for us. Beautiful rooms in our Father's house. Specially prepared by our Heavenly Bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world must become dim. Earthly things. As we look forward to our eternal dwelling place with the one we love, if we love him. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, the Lord said. Our desire and excitement is looking to Jesus. Are you done with the world? Have you done everything you could to try to find satisfaction? Believer, often we preach and we try to win converts and win unbelievers to the kingdom. And we tell them all about the uselessness of trying to find happiness in this life apart from Christ. We tell believers you are going after broken toys. You're going after things such as the pleasures in this life and the power and the Surrounding of people to empower oneself. It's a chasing after the wind. You need to come to the cross. God's question is, where are you, evangelist? Am I truly a passion? If I am, are you holy? Absolutely dedicated to fearing me, doing my commandments, my will only. Hallelujah. This is where the power will be restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil will not fear a Bible-quoting Christian. Even one who says, devil, my Lord defeated you by quoting the word. And he told me to do the same. And here I am. I have my ammunition. And he'll say, but you can't pull the trigger. So I'll be all over you. Our strength comes from Christ who dwells in holy hearts. Hallelujah. There's a deep disturbance in the heart of a number of believers who have caught the vision of God because they feel the grief of Almighty God of how lip service abounds in the house of God and people are dying daily in more ways than one. Surrendering to the devil, to his carnal impulse to be bitter 
And that too, against their neighbors, against their family, escalating now against another brother or sister. It's okay to be bitter and to cover it like a clay pot that is gold-plated with smiles and Christian lingo. Finally, through all of this and even directly, Satan persuades believers to be bitter against God himself. What a tragedy. But the program continues. And the devil laughs. And he works his lying wonders to distract believers. The Lord is calling us back. If we are to be a formidable force against Satan on the earth, as God desires, to go about doing good and healing, true healing, minister to all who are oppressed, we have to be free first. We have to be believers who are really living the overcoming life. Otherwise, we'll become a laughingstock to the devil. No one will be helped. We can give all kinds of sentimental words and even bring our ministry handbook, ministry bag of tricks, and have coffee and sit down and counsel and communicate and cry and let cry on our shoulder and leave the place with the demons intact, smiling along with us. Thank you so much for the comfort and counsel. You've been a blessing. Goodbye. Back to the torment. Oh my God, let this not be in any one of our lives. May the Lord give us the conviction from the Holy Spirit that we are to live an overcoming life where before the gifts of the Holy Spirit are sought, the fruit of the Spirit must be worked into our lives. This produce, the product, the production of the virtues that embody a true Christian must be carefully monitored. First of all, for their existence, because it's possible for one to turn their backs on God. Turn their back on God. And go through ministry. Even ministry. Actively. And be congratulated by other people, even other ministers and those who they esteem. Experienced ministers. And in the sight of heaven and hell, be absolutely powerless. What a tragedy. I'd rather know what God thinks about me. And know that hell trembles when it thinks about me. And have all the appreciation and plaques and awards and promotion in any religious institution. The apostles, they knew Christ was telling them in John 14. This is not your home. You see, they were going through some persecution already by tagging along with the Son of God on earth. And they will go through intense persecution later. They were given this comfort. But don't let anything trouble you. When trouble comes, look to me. Run to me.
I will preserve you until that time where you will sit down with me at my banqueting table, you'll taste of my glory. Hallelujah. Unbounded forever on that day. I will live with you. You will live with me forever. They were told these things. May the same word comfort your heart today. But they also knew as the Holy Spirit was unfolding the revelation. The Apostle Paul was given that in Ephesians. That we are seated together with Christ right now. In this troubled world. With the situations of finances and family and friction within oneself. Because there's a war raging between heaven and hell, the big picture. Uh, But bringing it down to our personal level, there's a war raging within a believer. If the flesh is not crucified, there's a hostility of the Holy Spirit rising, it says in Galatians, against the flesh that's within every one of us. God has not meant for us to struggle with the flesh like so many do. God said decisively, reckon it dead, crucified. There'll be no contest. Hallelujah. That the Spirit of God may reign freely where love will abound and joy and peace and patience and all the virtues. And our minds will be girded up for action, knowing that every day I'm called to be an overcomer so that on that day I can sit with Christ, sit with Christ on his throne as he's promised in Revelation. They knew there's a mansion waiting. I'm going to persevere because I see the goal. Jesus is waiting for me on the other end. But he's also with me. And spiritually, I'm actually seated together with him. And thereby, I have what? Authority over Satan. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes the devil gives up immediately. You know how and when? When he has dispatched a lower level demon. And the believer has received enough power by walking closely with God, by faith and obedience in the fear of the living God. One word from the believer sends the devil out in a hurry. In Jesus' name, only in Jesus' name. Then, there are other demons in the hierarchy of Satan's domain that require Greater power. That require longer time. There's a greater duration. That require more means such as fasting and prayer. The Lord made it clear. This kind doesn't come out. Except by fasting and prayer. Do you know a Christian who's struggling with lust? Has that person truly turned to God and desired freedom? Has that person understood the utter shame that he or she is bringing upon the holy 
almighty name of God, of Jesus Christ. Have they felt that? Before it's about me and my problems and my addiction and my waste of money and dismantling of my personality through these evil demons of lust. First and foremost, I'm a disgrace to heaven. I'm living in denial of the godly power. Lord, I don't want to break your heart anymore. Has that person said that? Lord, against you and you only have I been defiling this temple you've given me. Oh God, give me grace to destroy all the things that I have invited to destroy me. To cast out the devil in your mighty name. If believers would do these simple things and in their counseling, quote unquote, give the word of God as it is and tell them you can't afford to live under this domination a second longer because you are in jeopardy when you're given to the demon of lust to be dragged down to hell in an instant. That's how dangerous it is. Is that the counsel you have been hearing for those who are addicted, perhaps yourself once, even now? Wandering eyes, adulterous hearts, lustful imaginations, all the work of Satan in believers' lives to open the door? Is that the kind of counsel and exhortation you've heard? Or is it a whole bunch of pampering? And I know, and let's do this, and it'll take 13, 14 months. I don't think because you've been smoking drugs for 30 years or smoking cigarettes for 35 years that it's just going to go like that. It doesn't work like that, my friend. You need to stick around. It'll take you a good three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months and maybe 50 years. But you just hang in there and God will help you. But an utter travesty and denial of the presence and power of God Almighty. Give counsel, so to speak, and pamper the demons that are in the person who are dancing a jig and saying, yay. That's exactly what we want to hear. Thank you. How many more counseling sessions, counseling sessions do we have with you anyway? We'd like to extend that and we'll pay anything. But a person who is filled with a blazing fury of the Holy Spirit against the devil, not the person, but the devil who's dancing freely in that person's life. Tell the word as it is empowered by the spirit. So that the person can get the remedy immediately. Hallelujah. God does not want a person to linger in sin even for one second more. Because if the heart should stop in a genuine believer's life who has given over to be entangled with evil, that moment the heart stops, that person will go to hell according to the scriptures. How urgent it should be to tell the person exactly what the Spirit of God says to lead them to genuine repentance and godly sorrow. For others who have said, I have no desire for lusting after the opposite sex or the same sex or any kind of thing like that. I really love Jesus and I'm married to Jesus. But sinister desires to be accepted with people rules over acceptance with God in their lives. You can tell by the actions and attitudes. These are the things that will keep us out of the new Jerusalem. A form of sorcery. 
manipulation, manipulative spirits. Didn't Jesus tell the 70, when you go out, don't be concerned about taking anything with you. You are to walk by faith. I will provide. You keep your focus on who? On me and the mission I've given you. But how many people say, well, now, Lord, we have to be practical. Uh, we have to calculate because we refuse to go if we don't have the budget in place. What a far cry from not only people in the Bible who serve the Lord, but people even in recent centuries who launched out from a rather comfortable lifestyle into the unknown, quite literally, ready to lay their lives down for the gospel. How many people, because they want to be nice to other Christians and other ministers, when they're given a task by God, they're able to be pulled aside to have dinner here, go sightseeing here, and do this. Recall what the Lord told the 70. Don't greet anyone on the way. You go fulfill the mission. What has happened to the call of God on our lives, which should make us tremble with joy, gladness, and serving? To follow through with every detail that he's told us. Recall the prophet that listened to the other prophet. He was mauled by a lion. Because he disobeyed. What God said in his ministry. These are days in which we need to know. We're headed toward heaven. There is a mansion. There is a mansion. But we can miss it. We can live the Christian life and miss it here too, not knowing we're seated together in the heavenly places. Sometimes we look at that and we think simply authority. We need to know the authority is connected to holiness. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of the Holy Father. Hallelujah. Blazing light, unapproachable light. How is it that you and I Mere worms and less than worms, dust of the ground, clay, can not only have the treasure of Christ within us now, but we are seated together with him above the devil's power. Hallelujah. If we don't understand the level of holiness that God has granted to us already, we were called to maintain. This day is a good day because we've been reminded God Almighty has given us authority over the devil. Hallelujah. No matter how big the demon, with enough faith in the Lord and godly living in righteousness and obedience to the prescription God has given, including fasting and prayer, no devil can remain. Hallelujah. And the more we practice this kind of Christian lifestyle, guaranteed your family will have no place for any devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How can you go to church with chains around your neck and or have shackles around your loved ones? Be content that they calm down. It's like giving a drug to a person who's possessed and sedate them for a moment 
and feel that, well, at least we have some peace. No, you have no peace. You have a pretense. You need power for deliverance, which is permanent. Hallelujah. Who is with me today as the Spirit of God is speaking? We cry to the Lord and say, Lord, deliver my loved one. Deliver me. Are we appropriating the power God has given already? Are we developing that by holy living? Where the devil is afraid when you turn the corner and go to somebody's house? He's literally afraid. And he begins to make plans to clear out because he sees Jesus crystal clear in your face as you're walking the block. Oh, hallelujah. That is the truth. It's not some poetic imagination. It's the truth. When the devil perceives a genuine anointing, a genuine presence of God in a holy life, he trembles. That's why I've heard plenty of testimony. When demons have spoken back to the man of God or woman of God and said, we knew you were coming. And we're not leaving. Notice the admission. What would the devil care? If any old Christian is coming down the block. There's no contest. But if the spirit of God is coming with a man or woman. The devils admit. We knew you're coming. And they'll defy the power. But they won't be able to stay. Because the man or woman of God. Who's truly clothed with power from on high will overthrow the devil's power right there. Through the almighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Are you exercising your power granted to you through the Lord Jesus Christ? Are there troubles in your own home? Sticking points, quote unquote, in your spiritual walk when quite obviously there's a satanic stronghold. Maybe some things could be construed as satanic toeholds. It's not such a huge deal. Nobody's on drugs here. Nobody's out there on the streets wasting away in their bodies. But there are some contentions, some strifes, and uh, uh, there is a allurement to me and uh, internal friction, you know, about People pleasing and power hunger and uh, confusion generally for what direction God has for me. And I look at the calendar and I'm getting along in years and I really can't say whether I know what God wants me to do. I suppose I'll spend the next 25 years trying to figure that out. God have mercy. May we identify when the devil has moved into our houses. We're impotent. Say, my God, I will cry to you, rend my heart, not just my garments, to say, clothe me with power from on high. I must get into the calling you've called me to. Not some professional ministerial position. Ministerial position. Not for people to say, oh, look at that person's ministry and promote my ministry and their ministry and it's a great hub, you see. Devil say, go on, go on, make it a worldwide empire. I will give my donation too. Because you, dear man, dear woman, 
are impotent when it comes to spiritual things. If this were not the truth that you're hearing today, we would not have rehab centers and churches, quote-unquote, teeming with people possessed and controlled by demonic spirits. Someone says, well, I haven't seen uh, a person screaming coming into church lately, foaming at the mouth, writhing on the floor like a serpent lately. I haven't seen demon-possessed people in our churches who come in looking deranged and their eyeballs are crisscrossed or they're spewing out venom against the preacher while he's speaking. I haven't seen people coming in breaking chains and throwing chairs. I'm afraid you have it mixed up for Bible times or other remote villages somewhere where there's voodoo and all kinds of craziness going on. But the truth is, we have just as much demon possession, if not more, in our refined church settings today. Where believers are addicted to cigarettes, the demons of cigarettes are ruling that believer's life and laughing at God. And you have textbooks of Christian counseling. And you have ministers saying, oh, John, we understand. God understands. You just continue to come to the meetings and we'll even give you a position. Uh, just try not to smoke in church or around church grounds. And everybody has a problem somewhere. Uh, look at me, John. I'm the minister and I can't help stop eating chocolates. I mean, it's not a great sin, is it? It's not like I'm on YouTube watching things I shouldn't watch. It's just chocolate. And oh, it's sinful, but sinfully delicious. A decadent chocolate. But I know how to put chocolate in this place because I don't come to the pulpit with Snicker bars. Snickers bars coming out of my pockets. My Bible tells me Whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Any addiction is a loss of control over to the devil. Period. A life of victory, an overcoming life. Notice, we didn't say a person is not a Christian if they're in addiction. One thing is very clear. They're on the path becoming an unbeliever, if not already. Anyone under the power of the devil is quite obviously not under the power of God. You can't have two masters. But the Lord is so loving that he says, my child, come back. Do not serve the devil. I'm your master. Come back to me. I'm your father. Come back to me. The prodigal must hear that. Get up. And cry out, first of all, before he even gets up. Father, I want to come back. The Lord will meet them. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May the Lord help us to have a desperation 
to please our God and to overcome in our own lives and say, Satan, you have nothing on me by the mercy of God. You can come and look. My closets are clear. My conscience is clean. And Christ is on the throne of my heart. Therefore, not only are you driven out from my life, but you will be driven out from every family member where I reside. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, do we all serve you. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we thank you. Hallelujah for the exhortation from your spirit, Lord. Glory be to God that our prayers may have power and results. That, Lord, when we cast out devils, they may actually leave. Not last. Oh, hallelujah. May your people rise up to the position you've given them, Lord. The lofty position of being a son, daughter of the living God. Going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed with the devil. Thank you, O Father. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.